Some of you might remember the WWJD bracelets from years ago. The letters stood for, What Would Jesus Do? In today's podcast, I want to look at how Jesus lived his life so that we can do what Jesus did. Welcome to the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast, brought to you by Restoring the Foundations International. Our desire is to equip you with biblical truth to empower you to live a full life of freedom in Christ. For more, please visit restoringthefoundations.org. Now, here's your podcast. I'm Lee Whitman with Restoring the Foundations. Today's verse is John 5, 19. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. I read a very popular book years ago, the title of which I won't mention in case you really like the book. The book taught as believers were to look at the scriptures to see how Jesus did things and to imitate him. The idea was that Jesus, being the perfect son of God, would do things the right way. And since we're not perfect, nor ever will be perfect, the best we could do this side of heaven is to try to figure out how Jesus would have handled a situation and do what he did. In other words, ask the question, what would Jesus do? Now, it's a great idea to ask, what would Jesus do in any situation? You had to find a Bible verse that addressed the situation and do what that verse says. Now, some of you are already wondering if I'm going to tell you not to live by the scriptures, right? The answer is no, I'm not going to tell you that. God's word is more important today than maybe at any other time in history. Now, let me go down a bunny trail for just a minute and then we'll come back to our topic. Why is God's word more important now than ever before? Because our world has lost its absolutes. We no longer look to the Bible as the source of absolute truth. In fact, many of our churches are teaching a version of America Christianity, read comfortable Christianity, that has watered down the teachings of the Bible. You know, interesting, I sat with a 20-something young man the other day, and he said something to the effect that he did not believe that God was totally against sin. In fact, this young guy believed that God allowed us to sin in order to use that sin to conform us into the image of Christ. Although it's true that God uses all things to conform us to the image of Christ, I can't go along with the notion that God is not against sin. All you have to do is read some of the stories in the Old Testament to see how serious God is about sin. When God led the Israelites to overtake and defeat their enemies, He specifically told them to kill every last person from that tribe. Wow. Why would a loving God have entire tribes wiped out? Because of the sinful patterns and habits of that tribe. God was so serious about keeping the sinful behaviors of other tribes and nations away from the Jewish people that he had them eliminate all of those in that tribe so the Jewish people would not be tainted by those behaviors. This comfortable Christianity, along with this current political climate, has diluted the Word of God so that it does not offend this generation. And in the process, this generation has lost the absolutes found in God's Word 
And people are believing things that are simply not biblical. Many people are questioning who they are today because they've lost the foundation of the absolute truth found in the Bible. So now let's get back to our topic. The question we're looking at is, what would Jesus do? Okay, so let's look at what Jesus actually did to find out the answer to that question. In John 5, Jesus went to the pool of Bethsaida, which was known by the people of that day to have healing power. According to the legend, the first person to get into the water when the water was stirred would be healed. Now, we can't tell by the story in John 5 how many people were at the pool that day. But according to verse 3, it says there was a multitude who needed healing and were waiting for the water to stir. So Jesus came to this pool where there was a multitude of sick people and he healed one man. Why did he heal just one person? And why this man in particular? The answer is found in today's verse, John 5:19. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees his father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. Jesus went on to say in John 5:30, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So Jesus healed that one particular man because his Father only told him to heal that one man. You know, even when Jesus was teaching, he did not speak from his own knowledge. Jesus would have been brought up as an Orthodox Jew who would have known the scriptures intimately. Yet we see in John 12, at one point, Jesus was teaching the disciples about the kingdom of God with the understanding that he would be going to the cross very soon. In John 12, 48, it says, For I did not speak on my own, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. So Jesus, who was full of religious knowledge, did not teach anything that was not given to him by his Father. So in these two scriptures, we see the answer to what would Jesus do? He would ask his father what to do in a situation. He would ask his father what to say in a situation. And he would only do and say what Father God told him. So if we were to use WWJD as our example, then it's obvious. We are to do just what Jesus did and ask our Father God what to do and what to say. It sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? What then gets in the way of us doing what Jesus did and simply ask God what we're to do and what we're to say? Well, I believe the answer is found in Galatians 5, 16 through 18. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, in order to keep you from doing what you want. So the easy-to-read translation of Galatians 5 says it this way. So I tell you, live the way the Spirit leads you. Then you will not do evil things your sinful self wants. The sinful self wants what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit wants what is against the sinful self. They are always fighting against each other so that you don't do what you really want to do. So according to this verse, 
there's a battle going on in every believer between the flesh and the spirit. Now, what is this flesh, or as the ESV calls it, this sinful self? This verse sort of makes it sound like there's two of us, that we are spiritually schizophrenic, and that's not the case. We need to understand what the flesh or the sinful self really is. Now, let me give you a good working definition of flesh and then explain a little bit where it came from. So, the flesh, also known as the sinful self or the the self-life, is the condition, the condition being the mindset, attitude, strategy for living, where my focus is primarily on myself, where I'm living out of my own resources, resources such as heritage, education, IQ, personality, sense of humor, looks, talents, abilities, etc. In order to cope and deal with life, solve my problems, meet my needs, and become a success. Let me do that again. The flesh, which is also known as the self-life or the sinful self, is the condition, the mindset, attitude, the strategy for living, where my focus is primarily on myself, where I'm living out of my own resources, such as my heritage, education, IQ, personality, sense of humor, looks, talents, abilities, in order to cope and deal with life, solve my problems, meet my needs, and become a success. Now, we each have developed our own version of the flesh to make our way in life. This flesh, as the definition says, is made up of mindsets, attitudes, a strategy for living, in an attempt to get our needs met. Now, the battle started back in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they went from being in an intimate relationship with God, where they were totally dependent on Him for everything, to being independent from God, in fact, cut off from Him, having to depend on themselves for everything. From that moment on, mankind was forced to get their needs met out of their own resources. You developed your own patterns of the flesh in order to, as this definition says, to cope and deal with life, to solve your problems, to meet your needs, and to become a success. So let's take a little journey. How do we determine if something is done out of the flesh or out of the spirit? Well, let me give you kind of a simple example, and you decide if it was living out of the flesh or living out of the spirit. Now, The facts in this example may be true, but the names have been changed to protect me. Let's say my wife, Cindy, asked me to clean up the evening dinner dishes. Now, you have to understand that I hate cleaning up the kitchen. In fact, in my home growing up, no self-respecting man would ever do dishes. Growing up, we had men's jobs, which included everything that needed doing outside the house, and there were women's jobs, which included almost everything inside the house. But let's say on this day, I go ahead and clean up the dinner dishes anyways. I mean, I don't just get the job done. I do a great job. The kitchen is spotless. So the question is, was I operating out of the flesh or the spirit by doing the cleanup? The answer is that it could be either one. The only way to judge whether it was flesh or spirit is to know my motivation. Yet only looking at the behavior 
you wouldn't know my motivation. The Bible tells us that man looks at outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Most people look at the results to judge behavior. She asked him to clean up the kitchen. He cleaned it up. Then must be okay. God is not as concerned with the outcome as he is with the process. He is a God of the heart, of changing what really motivates a person. God knows that if he can get our heart and our motivation right, then behavior will take care of itself. You can force someone into right behavior and have their heart still be rebellious. It's like the little boy who was told by his mother to sit down when he didn't want to, and he responded, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. So again, man's way, if we change behavior, we're successful. God's way is to change the heart, which leads to proper motivation, which leads to proper behavior, which leads to success no matter what the outcome. Notice that the flesh is made up of mindsets, attitudes, and strategies for living. Those are all ungodly beliefs. RTF has a powerful and effective ministry to change ungodly beliefs into godly beliefs. We don't have to fight the constant battle between the flesh and the spirit described in Galatians. When we get our minds renewed to the truth, the battle eases. Now, the battle doesn't go completely away until we enter our heavenly home. But by removing those mindsets, attitudes, and strategies for living of our flesh, it becomes much easier to walk in the spirit and not give in to the desires of the flesh. And once you know how to take your ungodly beliefs to God and receive his truth, the battle with these thoughts actually leads you to experience more victory. In fact, the more these fleshly ungodly beliefs are changed to godly truths, the desire of your flesh actually change and you experience the desires of the spirit. Now, next week's podcast, we're going to continue looking at this battle between the flesh and the spirit. Father God, I thank you for the power that you've given us to overcome these fleshly attitudes and mindsets and strategies for living, that we're not puppets, that we're not locked in and stuck in a place where we have a battle. But as we allow you to transform our minds, to change our thoughts into godly beliefs, in godly attitudes and godly strategies for living, we can experience the life in the spirit that you came to give us. So Father, take this podcast today and just uh, minister to those who are listening that they would begin to recognize that the battle they're in is not necessary. They don't have to walk in that battle, that we can experience your victory over it. Thank you again, Father, for your life in us by the Spirit. Amen. So once again, we just want to encourage you, if anything in this has triggered something in you and you recognize you need ministry, email our ministry coordinator at ministry at restoringthefoundations.org to get help, to sign up for a ministry time, to break this fleshly pattern in your life. And you also might be in a place where you go, you know, I'd love to help other people. We also have training and you can write to training at restoringthefoundations.org. Find out how to get trained as an RTF minister and watch God work in people's lives. So thank you for spending time with us today and come back again next week as we pick up the same topic of the flesh 
versus the Spirit. Thank you for joining us on the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast today. We pray you are blessed and equipped with biblical truth, empowering you to live a full life of freedom in Christ. To learn more about the ministry of Restoring the Foundations International, please visit restoringthefoundations.org. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.